Okay, I'm going to just read this passage that um, uh, Cody gave me to share before the sermon. It's John 12, verses 44 to 50. Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that seeth me seeth him that sent me. I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. So Mark 1, 1 to 6, goes as follows. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. John did baptize in the wilderness and preached the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And there went out unto him all the land of Judea, and they of Jerusalem, and were all baptized of him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. And John was clothed clothed with camel's hair, and with a girdle of skin about his loins, and he did eat locusts and wild honey. Now, I made something like nine pages of notes for this. And there's like, a, oh, two pages just on verse one. So uh, are you ready to dig in on that? Good news. Um, that's in the notes that Wendy will send out. So if you guys want to check out all those scripture references and stuff, you're more than welcome to. We're, we're not going to have to go through all that. So I will introduce you, though, to two women in the Bible. If I can find my notes. There we go. Now, throughout the whole Bible, you're going to find these two women keep coming up. They may have different names, but they keep coming up. All right, I'll give you a hint that the bride, the body of Christ, is a woman. Okay, so think about that for a minute. All right, Proverbs 3. And Proverbs focuses a lot on these two women. Okay, Proverbs 3, 13 to 20 says, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom. Okay, that's her name right there. And the man that getteth understanding for the merchandise <clears throat> for the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver. And the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all things thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. 
all her paths, that's where you walk, our peace. She's a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is everyone that restraineth her. The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth, by understanding hath he established the heavens, and by his knowledge the depths are broken up and the clouds drop down dew. So you get a picture of this one woman called wisdom in the Bible, okay? And you remember in Revelation, the spirit and the bride say, come. Lord Jesus says, come, and the spirit and the bride say, come. There's an invitation, okay? And her paths are peace. But Proverbs 5, 3.14 says, for the lips of a strange woman, this one's called strange, so wisdom and strange, for the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil, but her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell. Lest thou should ponder the path of life, her ways are movable. Keyword, movable. That thou canst not know them. Hear me now, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Remove thy way far from her, and come not nigh the door of her house, lest thou give thine honor to others and thy years unto the cruel. I'll stop there. There's more, but that gives you the sense of two different women in the Bible. Okay. The beginning of the gospel. Mark starts off with the beginning of the gospel. What is the beginning of the gospel? What was the call upon John the Baptist with the beginning of the gospel. It was to make Jesus' path straight. Now Jesus is, according to John, he's the word, right? The beginning of the gospel of John, he starts off with he's the word. The gospel's inherent in who Jesus is. And if you're making his path straight, that's going to make it easy for people to come to Jesus, isn't it? So John the Baptist's job was to lead people to Jesus Christ, to make his path straight. What's unstraight? What's the opposite of straight? Crooked. So one woman we saw here, her paths are pleasantness. It's life. It's wisdom. And the other one is crooked, and it leads to death and to hell, and it's moving. And we see that. We see that with a lot of cults. We see that with a lot of global decisions. It keeps moving, right? It's crooked. Is there a critter you can think of that the, its whole path is crooked? Ah, the serpent, right? Its whole path is crooked, isn't it? So we all were sinners. And some of you might be, I don't know your hearts. I don't know where you're at. So I'm going to preach it like y'all don't, don't have the Holy Spirit in you yet. Okay? I'm going to preach it like that. I don't know. Okay? I sure hope you all have given your life to Jesus Christ. And this just fuels you to go out and tell your neighbor. But if you're sitting here today and you don't know, I hope that today will bring you to your knees before the Lord and you'll repent and trust in Jesus Christ. So now you know my objective. We all had crooked paths, right? All of us as sinners had crooked paths 
and that don't lead to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a broad way that leads to destruction. At some point, you, uh, the sinner, I'll go third person, at some point the sinner has to be faced with the fact that they've sinned against a holy God. A God who cannot tolerate sin. A God who, in fact, has to pour out wrath on sin. And those who are sinners, he's going to pour wrath on them. There's a destination that's called hell. We saw the crooked path leads to that. Right? That woman, that second woman. It leads down to death and to hell. It's destruction. And it takes one sin, one wicked thought, one action, just one, to separate you from a holy God. And it's in our nature, and each of us have done it. Whether it's lust of the flesh, a lust of the eyes, or the pride of life, we've all done it. And that separates us that separates us so that we are lost and doomed. And that's a horrific, terrible nightmare of a story. And that's actually the beginning of the gospel. And then you know, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We know that God has grace and love so that he can then reach out because we can do nothing. We're doomed. Sentenced to death because of even one sin. And then God reaches out and sends his son to pay an unbelievable price because he died. That was where we were supposed to go. You know, what was the image that Jesus compared himself to when he says that he'll be lifted up? Like the serpent. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? He went down to death for us. He was without sin. And he went on that crooked path to hell for us. And then conquered death and rose again. So the sinner is faced with a choice at some point to either believe the gospel or to reject it. The Holy Spirit is going to do something in the, believer's, in the sinner's life, sorry, not the believer's life, in the sinner's life. He's going to prepare the heart. Because we all start off with hearts of stone. Can't do much with that. What happens when you throw seeds on the stone? They grow up, sun hits, they wither, fade, and they're toast. That's what Mark 4 is going to tell us, right? So we went up to sow seeds. So the stone, heart of stone, is not going to produce life. So what is the Holy Spirit going to do? He's going to prepare that heart and soften it so it becomes a heart of flesh. Essentially, it's going to become good soil. It's going to be plowed up. It's going to be tilled up. Whose work is that? work of the Holy Spirit, right? When that soil is ready, 
then we can hear the gospel. The sinner can hear that grace of Jesus Christ coming to die for us. It is meaningless before that. Yeah, a sinner might go to Sunday school, memorize lots of scripture, and it's nice. They may have spent their whole life going to Bible studies and sitting in church, and that's nice. But what point does it mean something? What point is it, oh, I've sinned against the Holy God. At what point? You know what John was eating in the desert? He's eating honey and locust. Anybody excited for that meal? Give me back the manna. I want the manna, right? What does honey represent in the scriptures? Mostly. Sweetness, yes. It represents God's word, his law. We see manna tasted like honey. It represents God's word, right? Ezekiel ate the scroll. It tasted like honey. John ate it. it. tasted like honey. Jonathan defeats a thousand enemies. He's hungry. Dips his rod and eats the honey. What happens? Oh, his eyes are lightened. Honey enlightened him. The word lightened him. Actually, the word's a, a light unto our path, isn't it? It lightens the eyes. There's a moment where the sinner, with a prepared heart, goes, ah, I get it. I've sinned against that holy God. It's not just memorizing stuff, memorizing scripture. It's not just sitting in church. It's not just raising my hands and praising with everybody else. There's a moment where that conviction comes in and you realize you're lost. Not just because somebody told you or preached at you, but you realize you're destined for hell and there's nothing you can do about it. But that heart that then repents, that's the work of the Holy Spirit in there. Repents and believes, puts their faith in the gospel message. That's the message that Jesus paid for your sin. That's God accepted the, the payment, the redemption. When I say redemption, think of a coupon. Jesus is your coupon. You couldn't afford it. You're going to hell. You couldn't afford life. But there's a coupon for life, free life. And you got to take it. Take the coupon. Because leaving it there and saying, oh, there's a coupon. Yeah, I believe Jesus is real. That doesn't do it. You have to take on the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to believe on him. Great illustration. Ray Comfort has a great illustration. This is like putting on a parachute. You're in a plane. At some point, this plane is out of gas and it's going to crash. Now, it's great to have a parachute in the plane, but if you believe that it's going to save you, you're going to put it on. You put it on. And if it's not comfortable sitting in the chairs, too bad. Because it's not about the ride in the chairs. 
It's about the saving of your life by the parachute. It's a pretty good illustration. John's eating locust. It's like a picture of wickedness and sin. Right? He's, he's in the wilderness with a life of wickedness and sin. But he's eating honey and he's his eyes lightened. It's a picture of the gospel, the beginning of the gospel, the preparation of the heart to understand what's coming. And in the gospel of Mark, it's gonna, he's going to tell us why Jesus is here. He's here to reach out and grab sinners, to preach repentance and the kingdom of heaven coming. Come down. He's trying to draw men to himself because God so loved the world. So God so loved the world, he gave them a time, an opportunity to repent, to, to believe on him. We know that most people are going to reject him. And if you have rejected him, allow the Holy Spirit to soften your heart today so that the word of God can go in and plant in your heart and, and, and bear fruit of repentance. Sorrow. Be sorry for your sins. Be sorry for that life that you've lived that's put enmity between you and God. Because that's what it's done. Just one. Remember, just one sin. God is that holy. His standards are so high compared to ours. He can't tolerate it. But you're his creation. And he wants you to be with him. And the only way for that to happen now is for you to allow the Holy Spirit to, to break up that battleground, to repent, trust in him. It's not a work of the flesh. It's the work of the Holy Ghost. You just need to allow him to do that in your life. If you've done that, amen. Praise God. Go tell your neighbor. It's my experience that many people are not comfortable talking to somebody about Jesus Christ and the gospel because they don't know how to articulate it. They don't know how to actually tell that message. And in many cases, they only want to tell after that part. See, I'm talking about the beginning. They want to talk about that Jesus died and paid your sins. If you believe on him, you can be saved. They don't really want to talk about the beginning, which is you're wretched, you're wicked, you're lost. And the only hope is what God has done. Right? The gospel starts with you're a sinner. In the middle, Jesus paid the price. In the end, we don't want to leave out that part either. He's gone home with the Father. He rose again. He's gone home with the Father to make a place for you. That's a statement on its own, isn't it? To say that I'm going to prepare a place for you. So I'm giving you time to repent and trust me while I make the, the place for you. That's good. That's a, a, a 
escrow. That's, uh, that's the other word I'm thinking of. You'll buy a place, it's the, the down payment. It's the money down. It's a guarantee. If you trust in him, there's a place for you. Right? Repent, trust, there's a place for you. Guess what? He's coming back. He's coming back to get us. So that we can be together with him forever. That's an eternal promise. But you've got to go back to the beginning of the gospel. The crooked path, the crooked way, needs to be straight. You don't make it straight. You don't go, oh, I'll just, I'll straighten my life out, right? I'll do a bunch of good things. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. You've, you're already tainted. You know, give me a drop of arsenic in there. I ain't going to drink it. Right? You, you, you're tainted already. Somebody else has to step in and, and pay for your sins. It's a good story about John the Baptist in the wilderness. But I think what it represents is so important for us. So don't forget it. That you lived a crooked life. You might be living a crooked life. You might look good too. You, you might been to church so many years or whatever and I do good things. And nobody knows the difference but you. You know. You might have that crooked life it needs to be straight. That means allow the Holy Spirit to change your heart so that the Word of God will grow in you and cause you to repent, to be sad for those sins. And you, I, I don't want to do that anymore. I sinned against God. I don't want to do that anymore. I'm going to live for the Lord. Yeah, Lord. What does that mean? He's the boss. He's in charge. He is our Lord and our Savior. Saved us from sin, and now he owns us. He's our king. He's the boss. Let's live for him. Okay. Tell your neighbors. Go tell your neighbors. Because the time is short now. Tell the people at work. If you have trouble, ask God to break your heart for them because they are going to hell. They're in the crooked path right now. So ask the Holy Spirit to break your heart over each of those people in your lives that God's already put there and tell them the beginning of the gospel. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. Give us wisdom and understanding and always a soft heart to hear your prompting and what you want to tell us. And we trust you. And I trust that if there are those who don't this morning, that they will. That you're preparing their hearts even now. And help us to go talk to our neighbors and our employers and our co-workers and our fellow students and our family. Break our hearts over them. 
so that we have an urgency to tell them of the good news of Jesus Christ. We trust you for the words to say because you told us we don't have to worry about what to say. But you'll give us the words. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.